is the last coffee house. We are talking about 1922. It was a special moment in American history. You had a flowering culture before America was the behemoth it would become, but after the rest of the world was ravaged by the First World War. You had an American populace that was gaining financial comfort, but still feeling unsatisfied. And in the midst of this, you had Babbitt, a novel written by Sinclair Lewis. Published in 1922, it was an early satire of middle-class life. This is part of the Ben Shapiro reading list. What are the contents? Contents of Babbitt by Sinclair Lewis. George Babbitt is a salesman of real estate in the fictional town of Zenith. That used to be a TV brand from what I recall. Those things were massive and terrifying to try to carry. But the, the town is supposed to represent any Midwestern city with a healthy population, so like 200, 300,000 people. He's married, he's successful, he's supposed to be kind of the middle-class hero archetype. And Lewis, the author, wants to show the vacuous center of it. Babbitt has business relationships, he deals with civic groups and bosses, he engages in boosterism with booster clubs who support certain businesses and organizations, which is something that could be as simple as just talking up a particular business and agreeing to do so as a group. The storytelling of Babbitt is unique. The first few chapters cover just one day in very serious detail. <laughs> so this is kind of a, a novel storytelling for the era. Again, this is early 20th century. This is 1922. At a certain point in the story, and we're going to have a few spoilers here just to make you aware. It's not an especially long book. I think it's like 400 pages. But at a certain point in the story, his close friend gets into some serious trouble after having shot his wife. And he becomes in prison. And this is difficult for Babbitt to deal with. He begins to feel disenchanted with the conformity. He starts to rebel against this conformity by entertaining these liberal and socialist ideas that are around. Remember, this is just after the Russian Revolution, so this is before all that stuff starts happening. But he starts to entertain these ideas and it causes friction with a lot of the people that he used to hang out with. He starts an affair with a woman named Tannis. He starts partying and drinking. But these struggles against conformity don't satisfy him, as he expected them to. Eventually, his wife comes down with appendicitis and requires surgery, and he returns and kind of falls back into the conformity of his previous life, including his friends. His previous friends, you know, the, the people at the booster clubs. By the end, his son marries the neighbor's daughter in a scandalous way, and everybody's outraged. Babbitt takes him aside, thinks his son's name was Ted, and he tells him that he doesn't agree with what he did, but he supports, not directly, he doesn't directly say this, but he's really supporting the son's willingness to buck conformity in this way. So I'm going to give you some quotes, like we usually do. I'm going to give you some quotes, then we're going to do some analysis. And I usually don't do quotes for the reading list for these, the non-fiction reading list, but I'm doing quotes for this one because it's fiction. Why not? Quote, he liked three kinds of films, pretty bathing girls with bare legs, policemen or cowboys, and an industrious shooting of revolvers, and funny fat men who ate spaghetti, end quote. Who doesn't love all of those kinds of films? So you can kind of get the idea of the, the tenor and tone. You know, it's got this kind of jovial but still serious in the background kind of a tone. Quote, vast is the power of cities to reclaim the wanderer, end quote. So that's a real expectation 
you see that it has that expectation of cities being able to enfold anybody and take anybody in and give them that meaning that they need. And so it's a possible lamentation of the fact that cities don't really have that power, that you still aren't just because you can fall into a city doesn't mean that you're going to feel yourself enfolded in the wider story, the wider human story, or feel, feel you have some kind of meaning as a consequence. Quote, there were eight simple lessons in plain language anybody could understand, and I studied them just a few hours a night, then started practicing on the wife. Soon found I could talk right up to the super and get due credit for all the good work I did. They began to appreciate me and advance me fast and say, Old doggo, what do you think they're paying me now? 6500 per year. And say I find I can keep a big audience fascinated speaking on any topic. As a friend, old boy, I advise you to send for circular, no obligation, and valuable free art picture to Shortcut Educational Pub Co. Desk W.A. Sandpit, Iowa. Are you a hundred percenter or ten percenter? End quote. So it's got this kind of juxtaposition here. So when it comes to the character of Babbitt, you have this salesmanship in not just when he's trying to sell real estate or something. He's he's a salesman in his personality as well and his characteristics and, and what he has to do with people. And so in that quote, you have that kind of a juxtaposition. What's the analysis? All right, so it's writing, the writing itself, especially the dialogue, is that high-waisted trouser talk that you see in noirs, which is just a lot of fun to read. There's some kind of built-in nostalgia whenever I hear, like when you play the game Bioshock, and I don't know how many of you played that game, but you've got the, the songs that come in that are old songs, and they have that really particular personality and quality to them that just has this beautiful built-in nostalgia, and you kind of get that with the, a lot of the dialogue, especially when they're fighting. When he gets in fights with his wife, the, <laughs> the dialogue can be hilarious, the kinds of things that they say to each other, just, you know, standing. It's like a time capsule of of how people talked and it's great to see that babbitt himself at least is a real character you can see the work that went into creating this character and how he was going to respond to the way people treated him or the way he felt like people were treating him and how he pushes in different areas and lets other people push in, in certain areas like the way that all works really expresses the complexity of this character in a, in a very good way which I was surprised by. You know, it's something that people just don't have the attention span for anymore. Because there were there were so many notes of this character that were played out in different ways that really demonstrated it in a in a really quality way. And like I said, people generally wouldn't sit with it for the duration to see how the character played out anymore. And he still got the thematics behind it about the criticisms of, of conforming to a middle class life and the enemy that you feel once you get there. The women themselves are not especially complex, you know, on their own, but the exchanges between them and him are legitimate. You know, when he's having fights with his wife and the way that the wife is trying to express that she is frustrated with it, that's one of the really good things is that you see this, everybody has had this experience where you really have something else on your mind, so you just nag somebody on, <laughs> on something that's minor or meaningless. So you'll see that in their, their fights, the way their fights start, and it's done in a quality way and the way that he'll have you know these chunks of dialogue where they're back and forth back and forth then he'll have a pause where it just said they continue to talk about this or continue to talk about that did something else and then you go back into dialogue which has a nice flow to it so you have the characters with this kind of subterranean psychology that motivates them as opposed to obvious on the surface goals Curiously, Babbitt itself actually became a term for someone who conforms to prevailing middle-class standards 
I haven't heard that used ever, but <laughs> apparently it, it entered the vernacular, it was added to the dictionary. When Lewis was actually writing this, he wrote these lengthy biographies for every character, and you could see the care that was put into it, and each character he would include these genealogies of their parents and stuff, and a bunch of stuff that would never make it into the book, but still, he had those things in the back of his mind. He had these detailed journals about <laughs> all these, the world and the different characters, and, and he drew a series of 18 maps of Zenith, so you had it all perfectly laid out, so... That's the kind of care you just don't see in a lot of things. I mean, this is just one book that he's writing and puts so much effort into it. All right, what's the big picture here? What is the big picture about this book? It's not as philosophically interesting as The Stranger. The Stranger has more philosophy in it, and it's, more, it's deeper on that level. It's not as trenchant as Death of a Salesman. In Babbitt, the author Sinclair Lewis leaves a lot of room for redemption in it, whereas Death of a Salesman is a little more dire. <laughs> So looking a little broader, the American character was fighting for success while at the same time fighting against believing success was the end of our fight. And I hope that sentiment kind of makes sense of where we were at that point. Today it seems like success and hard work and the Protestant work ethic and the American dream, they're not really a part of the national conversation anymore. They're not those aspirational things that is in every American's back of every American's head that those are really the motivating factors. There are certainly people in corners of the country churning along with a powerful belief in that shared ethic of hard work and earning what you get. But we have a hysteria right now that wants to define people not by what they could be, but what they already are. And that's a tragedy. This is The Last Coffee House. Thank you very much for listening. I will see you on the next one.